BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Anthony, thank you for joining us this Tuesday. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Um, so before we get started, do you want to just give us the quick, you know, elevator pitch, sixty seconds on on awakened life sciences for some of our audience that may not be familiar? Absolutely, Delight, delighted to do so. Awakened Life Sciences, we're a publicly traded biotechnology company focused on developing and delivering revolutionary treatments for addiction, that substance and behavioral addictions which is the largest unmet medical need of modern times. Substance addiction affects about 20% of the planet. Behavioral addictions affects another many hundreds of millions of people. And for every person suffering from addiction, there's a spouse, a child, a colleague, a friend, a family uh, also affected. Uh, Current treatments are pretty ineffective, to be polite. And so what we're doing is we're developing revolutionary treatments for, for addiction, focused on combining psychedelics, and therapy together to better treat this chronic and poorly served disease. We're working with uh, ketamine, MDMA, but also developing our own compounds, which we believe will be more effective and efficient than those compounds. Um, So we're active in preclinical stage research, clinical stage research, but we're also delivering those therapeutics in clinics today, helping people today, and also earning revenue today. Yeah, I mean, I, for, for any biotech company that, uh, you know, I think that's the big question for a lot of investors is, is revenue, right? Because um, a lot of times you'll, you'll buy into these biotech companies that are, are years away from revenue. So, so how are you bringing that to fruition? How, how do you expect to, um, you know, have profits, have revenue in the near term? That's, that's a great question. It's one I'm delighted to get asked and, and to answer. So we're a biotechnology company active in preclinical and clinical stage research, but we've got two near-term revenue streams. We've got clinics. We've got two of them open right now, one in the UK, one in Norway, with the third one to come on stream in the next couple of weeks. Goal is to have 20 clinics open by the end of 2024. Each clinic can generate 4 million sterling top line. So that's 80 million sterling top line revenue as we go into financial year 25. Um, So that's revenue stream one. Revenue stream two is recognizing that there's an incredibly large market opportunity beyond our core territories of UK EU. We will be licensing our IP into the North American addiction treatment industry to enable existing but underperforming addiction clinics to deliver much more effective treatments for their clients. So those are the two revenue streams. Clinics revenue started already licensing partnerships revenue to start Q2 this year. 
Yeah, and I've got that pulled up in the investor deck right here. Multiple scalable revenue streams, uh, clinics like you mentioned in 2021, partnerships in 2022. Uh, because in the psychedelic space and really any emerging market, there's this idea uh, among investors that you can actually be too early sometimes, right? You know, that you, you can invest in a company and really it'll take, uh, you know, five, six, you know, however many years down the road for that investment to actually work out. Um, so, so what would you say to investors that are maybe on the fence about getting into the, the psychedelic space in general? I'd say look at look at the announcements uh, today from us. We've published the results of a phase two AB clinical trial for ketamine assisted therapy to treat alcohol use disorder. Alcohol use disorder affects 400 million people. There's a 75% failure rate with current treatments, resulting in a 16% penetration rate for those treatments because there is such a low success rate. We've published results today for a trial published in the American Journal of Psychiatry. Instead of there being a 75% failure rate, we had an 86% success rate with proprietary ketamine-assisted therapy to treat alcohol use disorder. And because ketamine is already a medicine that's approved in the UK, in the EU, and in the US, we can deliver those treatments today in our clinics and soon in our licensing partnerships in the US. So now is the right time to invest in Awakened Life Sciences because Awakened Life Sciences is bringing treatments to market today and is earning revenue today to better treat the biggest unmet medical need of our times. Yeah, and something, Anthony, that I've spoken with with other executives in the psychedelic space is just the fact that over the past uh, you know, 20 years or so, there hasn't been great developments um, in drugs for mental disorders. You know, whether you're talking about uh, depression, anxiety, or, or um, addiction issues like we're talking about now, you know, it's like the same SSRIs or uh, benzos that have been prescribed for the past like 20 years. There hasn't been a lot of an advancement there. Why, why do you think that is? Um, well, I can't really speak to why there hasn't been, you know, what other companies have done and why they've chosen not to advance their, their approaches. But I think now it has been proven and accepted that psychedelics has the potential to radically change treatment, out, treatment options and outcomes for patients. Focusing specifically on addiction, we're taking a revolutionary approach to the treatment of addiction that's driven by Professor David Nutt, our chief research officer, who is the global authority in this industry, in the addiction and psychedelics industry. We're focusing on multiple receptors rather than to, focusing on our, our, our medicines and our drugs on multiple receptors rather than any individual receptor. We're, we're, we're using psychedelic drugs to disrupt the connections between brain circuits, the brain circuits that house and drive the addictive behaviors. And during the space that that disruption provides, we're coming in with proprietary psychotherapy. So it's that unique combination of psychedelic compounds and therapy together that will enable us to better treat addiction. And that approach that we're taking by targeting multiple, multiple receptors and brain circuits enables us to target both behavioral and substance addictions in a way that no other company has. And I see up there on your chart, on your screen, you know, compare us to other players in the industry with regard to the maturity and advancement, advanced level of our research. We're in clinical stage phase 2B research. There's other companies that are at that stage that are worth, you know, a couple of hundred million compared to where we are. So really, it's a good opportunity for your investors to consider Awaken Life Sciences. Yeah. Um, 
And, and the way I see it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's kind of an existing roadmap out there, right? Because we've seen through the cannabis industry, uh, you know, once upon a time, 10, 15 years ago, I, th I think it was consensus among the medical community that, okay, there might be some benefits here, but, uh, you know, are we really going to use cannabis to treat some of these, uh, you know, issues, mental things? And, and now we've seen a lot of these, you know, CBD products um, get through the FDA, do you see psychedelics going through a similar process or do you see it kind of being a completely separate thing from what we've seen with cannabis over the past 15 years? I think it's a completely different thing. The, the, the psychedelics industry is very much a biotechnology company based upon clinical trials, data-driven outcomes. Um, I don't think there is the same confusion that has existed perhaps with the, with the cannabis industry um, with regard to medical wellness or, or recreational. Our, our industry and the psychedelics industry is very much focused on the traditional biotechnology route of preclinical stage, drug discovery, drug development, coming into first time in man or first time in human, I should say, phase one, phase two, phase three, marketing authorization. So come some companies that are working with the more traditional compounds of ketamine, MDMA, like we are, or uh, psilocybin can be moved straight into clinical stage research. But we are also working in preclinical stage to develop our own novel compounds. And so we're working with ketamine and MDMA at clinical stage research, phase 2A, phase 2B, to develop the therapy side of the therapeutics package that we're going to bring to bear to better treat addiction. But we are also very active in our preclinical stage research, working with one of the largest drug discovery companies in the world, Evotech, to develop our own proprietary novel compounds that we believe will be more effective at disrupting the brain circuits that house the addictive behaviors that we will then bring from preclinical into clinical stage and combine with the therapies that we've developed by working with ketamine and MDMA together with the proprietary compounds that we've developed to develop and to bring to market in multiple territories a really, really groundbreaking and revolutionary approach to treating addiction. Yeah, and so how was this decision made, Anthony, to, to focus solely on the uh, addiction uh, disorders compared to you know some of the other companies on this on this list do kind of a wider range of say from depression to anxiety to PTSD? It, it seems like Awaken is very solely focused on the on addiction. That that is indeed correct, and um, we are very much focused on that. It's about our we believe in focusing and executing. Our team are the global experts in the use of psychedelics to better treat addiction. I mentioned Professor David Nutt. Professor David Nutt has written over 20 books, published 400 papers, and he was an advisor, a drug czar advisor to the UK state. And he is one of the top three experts globally in the area of addiction. We've all, he's our chief research officer. We've also got our chief medical officer, Dr. Ben Sessa, who's well-renowned in the psychedelics industry, but actually he led the world's first study for MDMA into alcohol use disorder that was published back in February. And we've also got Professor Celia Morgan working for us, who led the trial that was published today, which was the first controlled trial to assess ketamine as a treatment for alcohol use disorder. So we have got the global leaders in the psychedelics industry working for us. We've surrounded ourselves with some industry leaders, which gives us a right to focus on treating addiction, but also really it's what drives us every single day. I'm an Irish guy. 
I've seen what alcohol does to society. I worked in the financial services industry in Ireland for many years, and the, the downtown financial district in Ireland is cheek by jail with one of the most underprivileged neighborhoods in the country. And so I've seen for many years the damage that heroin has inflicted on individuals, families, and communities. The treatments for alcohol use disorder, for heroin addiction, and even for gambling addiction, for compulsive sexual behavior that includes pornography addiction, they're just no good. There's a high, high failure rate for the treatments for addiction, 75% for alcohol use disorder, over 80% for tobacco, over 90% for opioids. People aren't even tracking it for, for, for behavioral addictions. So it is beholden upon us as a company and as individuals to bring to bear the expertise that we have in a company, in the company, and the potential that psychedelics has to provide hope for these individuals from the current treatments aren't working. It's beholden upon us to bring all of that to bear to solve this problem, which is the biggest unmet medical need of modern times. Yeah, wow. And Anthony, I mean, I just want to reiterate your point uh, that you made at the beginning that everyone, uh, if not personally affected by one of these addiction disorders, uh, knows someone, has a loved one, has a family member, uh, a friend that is. So again, I mean, I think we all want to see more progress in this field. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. Um, but Anthony, I'm keeping up with the chat and someone said something essentially along the lines of there is no pill for addiction, got to do it on your own. So I'm just curious, I guess, about the, um, you know, I, I understand it's not just a drug from awake and you have the, the therapy as well. So is that combining um, the actual psychedelic compounds with some CBT, some like cognitive behavioral therapy or what does that look like in practice? Yeah, so, so listen, I, I think you're, you're, the comment there that maybe came in from some in the audience that there is no pill and you've got to do it by yourself, I fundamentally disagree with that approach. There are a limited number of people for whom the current treatment paradigms work who do have the ability, because of whatever construct they exist in, to avoid temptation and to just say no. But that is not proven to be effective for the majority of people. Again, 75% of people who suffer from alcohol use disorder are back drinking within 12 months of seeking treatment. 875,000 people were admitted to hospital in the United States over the last 12 months for alcohol use disorder for the second time or more. So they have relapsed. 50,000 people in the UK treated with alcohol use disorder, 50% of those for the third time or more. So people can't just do this by themselves. So what we are doing is we are targeting the brain circuits, the brain circuitries that house the addictive behaviors at a very, very high level. You've got lower level brain functions, mid-level brain functions, and upper level brain functions. Your cognitive part of your, your cognitive control or your human mind, that's the upper part of the brain. Typically speaking, in a non-addictive brain, your personality maintains control over the overall system. Someone who's been repeatedly exposed to addictive substances or experienced addictive behaviors, what actually happens is the lower level parts of the brain, like learning and memory, reward, driver, pleasure, they actually short circuit the system. And the cognitive control part of the mind loses control over the overall system. The analogy I use, it's kind of like the software loses control over the hardware. And that's why people who are addicted often say, I don't know why I ended up back in the pub. I don't know why I placed more bets, even though it's having detrimental impact on me, my career, my family. I don't know why I watch more pornography, even though I know it's destroying my relationships. That's because 
your mind, the, the, the human part personality, the mind has lost control over the lower level functions. And so what we're doing is we're using psychedelic drugs like ketamine and MDMA in the near term, but also developing new compounds, which we believe will be more effective to disrupt the connections between those different brain circuits. And during the space that that disruption provides, we're coming in with proprietary psychotherapy in order to enable people to lay down permanent and longer lasting change and to be more resilient to those addictive behaviors. And it has been proven that people can't do it by themselves. And that's why we are doing this to provide hope for those individuals, families and communities through the current treatments just don't work. Yeah. Ryan D and I in the chat says I really like his response and I, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, just Anthony, before we let you go here, just someone just we got a question about the uh, any withdrawal symptoms or issues that 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 are typical here with uh, with ketamine and what that looks like. No. So, so ketamine is actually there's a bit of misunderstanding. Ketamine is a pro, an approved medicine as an anesthetic and as a painkiller. It is the most widely prescribed painkiller in the EU, UK and US. Oh, wow. When someone presents in an A&E and they are conscious but unresponsive and in pain, a doctor will administer ketamine because it is safe. During the course of our treatments, we are only using ketamine three or four times over the space of a number of weeks as an adjunct to or a support mechanism to improve the effectiveness of psychotherapy. So that is not enough to either build up a dependence or any other any problems okay are, are there side i'm sure there are side effects though i mean well, so there, there's side effects but not to build up any resistance to so yeah. so we have to increase dosage right okay okay uh what, what are the side effects well the side effects are the disassociative effect and the neuroplasticity that that ketamine delivers that actually pr improves the effectiveness of psychotherapy it enables people to reflect upon the challenges that they've experienced in their lives enables people to understand sometimes the traumas that they have experienced that lead them to or have led them to consume addictive substances or engage in addictive behaviors because yeah. in essence addiction is a disease it's a chronic disease it's a poorly treated disease that is based upon a complex interaction between brain circuits genetics life experience often that life experience can be early childhood trauma adolescent trauma adult trauma but there are other factors as well and so what we use ketamine and we will when we use ketamine in our clinic right now but we're also conducting research in mgma is to enable people to disrupt some of those circuits but also to enable people to gain an understanding and insight as to what has happened to them in their lives overcome some of those traumas in conjunction gotcha. with proprietary psychotherapy gotcha yep uh Yep. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to just wrap. I think that was a great note to wrap it up on. Unless you oh, I, I, I had one last question, Go Anthony, and that was just about, um, you know, just the perception, both maybe in the United States and globally of psychedelic drugs. So whether you're talking MDMA, ketamine, psilocybin, um, what do you think is going to take us over that edge to where more people are uh, accepting uh, of this notion that, hey, the, these psychedelic compounds, we can use them uh, and they can make a real difference. They can help a lot of people that need it. So that, that's a great question. Um, and it's about, it's about data. It's about data produced as a result of clinical trials, clinical research. Companies are already in phase three for psychedelics. For example, there's a company called MAPS that are in phase three for MDMA-assisted therapy to treat PTSD. A company like Compass, 
is it just completed its phase two for psilocybin-assisted therapy to treat treatment-resistant depression. And companies like us have just published phase two results for ketamine-assisted therapy to treat alcohol use disorder. These are, these are conditions that have been historically very, very poorly treated. The only treatments available have kind of papered over the cracks, but never got through to the root cause and addressed the root cause. There is now strong clinical trial evidence and data that is proving that psychedelic assisted therapy has the potential to help where no medicines or medicines have not been successful to help in helping over the last number of years or decades. And I think as companies like us and companies like Awaken Life Sciences continue to invest in clinical research and secure marketing authorization and regulatory approval for these methods of use or medicines to treat these chronic and poorly treated diseases, then I think we will gain broad acceptance. And because we have the potential to be, these medicines have the potential to be far, far more effective than anything that's currently available. Yeah, and, and that's what I was alluding to when I mentioned the the fact that I've you know I've talked about it with other executives. Just there hasn't been a lot of strides made in the mental health uh, space over the last like twenty years or so. So I'm very excited to see um, both what what you guys are at Awaken are able to do and, and the psychedelic space grow as a whole. Thank you very much. We're we're we're, we're delighted. You know that that's what drives us every single day. It's to provide treatments for people who are currently on solutions for people who are currently poorly served and poorly treated. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Anthony. Wonderful. Thanks. Good to speak with you. All right. All right. You as well. Especially joining us so late uh, in the day. You know, I think very often, Aaron, we are guilty of like reducing companies to just like their ticker and their chart, right? Good reminder that like there's more to it than that. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is a space that I, I'm very bullish in. Yeah, um, you know, long term, I think, like I said, it, it's hard sometimes. You can almost be too early in a trade sometimes. So I'm just kind of yeah. adding to my uh, psych positions long term. But my my mom's a PA, a physician's assistant, and she went to PA school, which is like medical school back in like the '80s or whatever. So you know, she's pretty old school, and over time, she's become like a lot more set. You know, she'll send me studies and be like. Um, because we have family members and stuff that, that mm-hmm. struggle with um, both other mental health disorders and also addiction. And she'll send me like studies like, oh, my God, look at what this company was able to do with um, psilocybin or MDMA. And I'm always like shocked to see it because I'm like, oh, mom, like, really? Like, this, you know, whatever. But it's cool to see. And I think yeah. more and more uh, we'll see people like that in the medical community uh, grow more keen to the idea of like, all right, it's time we can start trying some of these other things. Yeah. And like sure. Anthony said, it's all about data. It's all about um I guess the one problem is, is that I was like, we, we live in a, a day and age where you can have data and numbers and people still refute them. Nah, that's a separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a separate issue. We're, we're not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> hey, let, let, let's, br- let's bring on our next guest here. Uh, we're running a little bit behind schedule, but that's, that, that's how we roll here at Benzinga. We, we run behind yeah, schedule. Yeah, Shelly, Spencer's going to be an impact. He's going to be a... Um, Shelly's make fun of me, but I feel ESG. like... No, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're, you're making fun of me as misguided here because that, that ain't no... Although, there's a very real concern about ESG investing. There's very real criticism about whether it's just stupid marketing, which, which I could maybe get behind if that's your criticism. But ESG investing is for real, and I'm, I'm for it. So she's, she's, she's making fun of me, but, but Shelly, well, I think Shelly like, I, I, if you made I all your investment decisions based on like what companies yeah. you think are like doing great things and that you love and from like an altruistic standpoint, you probably wouldn't 
I, I don't know. Maybe you would have great returns. Maybe you wouldn't. But maybe it, that should play a small role in your yeah. DD, you know, right? Yeah. Like, I I got a lot of flack because really, like, a, a few months ago I pitched a uh, – I said I liked the value of some, like, private prison stock. And I, I haven't heard the end of it from Solar Up in the chat. Um, but yeah, like that's not a company I want in my long-term portfolio, like private prison, you know. So I think th- I think you, I think it can play a small part in your uh, DD yeah. when you're selecting yeah. companies. For sure, for sure, totally agree. Okay, um, let's let's bring on Robert Roy. Let's talk some options trades. Robert Roy um, runs TradeWithRob.com and WealthBuildersHQ, and here he is now, Robert Roy. Oh, you're on mute though. Get that microphone unmuted, and we can uh, we can uh, keep going here. In the there meantime, we go. How we doing? There we go. How we doing? I am great. Yourself? Doing fantastic. Fantastic. I see. I see your charts. What do we have on the trade station today? I got the charts. Well, I'm just looking at the S and P right now. I picked up some more SPY and Qs today. I added to my long positions. Um. So you know, with this dip that we took recently on the S and P 500. It just made sense to me as we started our bounce, particularly on the queues today. Um, it just made sense to add. It seems like we were getting these pullbacks and bounces, and I'm you know adding something on every one of these so far. So didn't quite get the correction I was hoping for, but I've got to take what the market gives us. They seem to like what's going on with Bernanke and uh, Bernanke. Oh my goodness gracious, Powell. Uh, yeah. Bernanke is a decade ago. They seem like what's going on with Powell and interest rates. They're not concerned with it, so I'm going to run with it as much as I can. That, that's the S and P. That's the S and P. Yep. What so we, we got? had a couple of couple of candidates today. This morning we called out uh, Abercrombie and F. Let me go back to Trade Station. Let's max this out. So they raised their sales outlook this morning. We talked about doing a naked put. Um, with the stock above 34 and a half. Uh, we got that move up. We got a nice move up in here. We pulled back here at 33 and a half. We bounced. I'm sorry, 33 and a half. We bounced up at 33 and a half level, and we were able to get in. Uh, we got 45 cents for the put for next week uh, that we traded there. So that one worked out well. It was still in the trade, not closed out yet. Um, Juniper is another one. They got upgraded by Bank of America. So wait, I'm sorry. These are all trades for next week. These no, this we did next week's options for them. You know, I probably should have slowed down and shared that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's back up. All right, ANF Amacrombie. So I looked at, I looked at the options here, and we bought, uh, we sold naked puts on this. I don't have the strike here that we did, but I think it was 33 and a half, 34, something like that. So 34 is for next week. Um, we picked up, it wasn't next week, it was this week. We picked up 45 cents on the naked puts. We're up a little bit right now on it. It's actually, we're down a little bit right now on it. We're underwater just slightly. We're at uh, 58 cents is the cost of the options right now. So we're right on the cusp of it. We're, we're close to break even on this one. But I, I like Abercrombie. It's got some opportunity to run. Wait. <sighs> Too many trades today. We did seven. <laughs> we had a bear call spread called on this one. And 
uh, bull put spread and, and a call option on it. So that, okay. and now this is not right. <laughs> I'm in the water, the stock's going up. What the hell is that happening? Oops, excuse my friend. Uh, that's uh, okay. That's okay. Go figure. So, yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, <laughs> so we bought, we didn't sell. We yeah. bought next week's options. I couldn't get enough open interest. I like that 65 to 85 delta. Couldn't get enough open okay. interest uh, on the option this week. There was nothing there, right, for this week. Uh, for the long call, we look at right here, the $33 call option is what we did on this one. Uh, we're up 45 cents. We got it at about a buck 80, I think it was, or so on this position earlier today. We're still in the position. Uh, I'm probably going to wind out of it regardless by the end of the day. I like the okay. overall move that Amicrami is making uh, with this announcement, this great bounce today. But we're in a, what I call a ping pong trade, right? Where we're yeah. bouncing between two major FIB levels. We got that 3270 and that 3452 level. And we have a confluence of this green line, which is our 21 moving average as resistance. So we're probably going to wind out of that right after the show today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, speaking of ping pong trades, I, I'm, I can't get this idea out of my head, Rob, that like everything is a ping pong trade right now. Or the, what we called it before was the, was the pogo stick, right? You just bounce between bounce in a range right and the more the more chart to look at and maybe this is a self-fulfilling prophecy and you know i'm i'm only seeing it because i want to see it but like it just seems like every chart to look at they they all look the same uptrend downtrend doesn't matter they're all bouncing around they do or they they seem to be you're right and the way i look at it is it seems like the support and resistance levels are being respected by traders which are great uh the biggest thing here is most traders will not look at this level at these levels, at least not for the same reasons that I will. They may look at this blue line because of this support back here, but I'm not looking at it just based on that. They, these are Fibonacci levels that have an extremely high potential of accuracy. You know, we look for what we call a two standard deviation move, which is two Fib lines. And that two Fibonacci line move equates for 94, 96, 98, whatever the number is, percent of all moves when you look at and I don't know the exact percentage. When you look at standard deviations, a two deviation move is about 96 or 98% of all moves are within that two standard deviations. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a stats guy. I got a C in yeah. school. That was okay. no, but like, that's a good, that's a good, I, I, yeah. I think people like maybe who look, who use that on charts, who use that indicator on charts, and they don't ever like take it the rest of the way, which is like, why is this here? Oh, it's here as a reminder that like nine times out of 10, the move does not go beyond these limits, right? That's like, Correct. that's what, that's what, that's what the standard deviation, you know, lines indicate. It's exactly. Sure. And these are all fibs. These are all Fibonacci lines. So, sure. you know, I have traders that look at this and, um, and say, yeah, if you draw enough lines on the chart, sooner or later, you're going to be right. And you know what? You are <laughs> right. If you put a lot of lines every 15 True. cents, you're going to be right sooner or later. But this is drawn off of this top right here, this high that we had, and this low right in here. So we're yeah. talking about this drawing took place in the beginning of December, December, well, after the first, but from the that data. So right about on the seventh or so is where we were looking to draw the, the chart on this, the FIBS. So all of this time has passed, and look at how these lines have been respected on a daily basis. Over and over again, 
Oh, but it didn't respect it here, Rob. Look how high it got. You know, it's a stock. It doesn't, it's a support line. It doesn't work exact every day. Right. If that were the case, we'd all make a heck of a lot more money if we could guarantee it would go to that level. We're in a zone, a range inside of there. Uh, and today's news, their upgrade, or their uh, outlook, their upgrade on their outlook for sales uh, was a great little bounce for them, a uh, great little move. So, but you're right, Spencer. I see the same type of thing. The nice thing is if you're following along with what we do with Fibonacci's, you're, you're understanding the why people are exiting there where someone else might be exiting and it's more because they feel like that's where they're supposed to get out. Yeah, it just seems like a good place to exit. And I guess the perfect way to look at that is if you look at a painting and say, wow, that's, that is awesome. What great, a great picture or a piece of furniture or a, a house, or you look at the house and go, wow, that's, that's kind of ugly. You know, <laughs> it's not designed with math in mind, with Fibonacci's in mind, right? right? right. It, it, and fibs tell us mentally to get out. We just don't know why. We do. I do because of where we've got these lines drawn. And they're very key for us uh, in the market. All right. So let, let's move away from Abercrombie and Fitch. We spent far too much time staring at this chart today. Uh, okay. Let's find, a, <laughs> let's find a chart, a stock that's more interesting. Um, and I have no offense to Abercrombie and Fitch, but sure. You want to see existing trades, or you want to see? Yeah, what yeah. Uh, let's up. see what you have on. Let's see what you have on right now. All right. So Home Depot is on right now. Nice. The Depot, and what was it? A ping pong trade. Right. So we go back here and look at the Depot. We opened up in the middle. We pushed down to that three eighty five twenty one level and bounced. Right. So that's the key. Three eighty five twenty one. And 391.20. I've got the lines already drawn on TradeStation. 385.21 and 391.20. The, the whole key to this, the whole key is where did we open up? In the middle. So this puts us in position number one in the chair. I'm back here and I'm doing nothing with Home Depot. I'm watching. It was on one of, I've got six monitors on this setup. Uh, it was on one of the, the six monitors is where it's loaded up there. I've got an alert set on there that if it pulls back near that 385.21, or if it gets near the 391.20, it's going to alert me that, hey, we've hit that target and it's time to do something. As the alert went off on this candle here, right, which was the 945, I waited for the next candle and we closed just slightly below, right? So I went from position number one in the chair to position number two where I'm sitting straight up. And I'm very- Yeah, you, at, at that point, you're a little concerned. Well, I haven't gotten in the trade yet. Oh, 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 oh. I haven't okay, taken sorry. it because it, it opened in okay. between here. I, I want clear and concise entries. If I don't have the right entry, I'm not taking the trade. I will okay. sit back and wait. I've got plenty of stocks to look at every day. I don't need to rush on Home Depot or anybody else. Uh, there's about eight or 10 that I look to trade regularly. Uh, yep. Home Depot is one of them uh, of the, on the lower price ones for me. And we got the pullback and this candle closed below. The next candle, we push back up and we're up above. Now I'm on the edge of my chair. I'm in position three in the chair. I'm leaning forward. I'm focused on the chart. And I've got my hands on the keyboard. On this candle right here, Spencer, we pulled back. This wick came back and tagged that 385.21. And we got a bounce off of there. On that bounce was the entry into our trade. Right? And we did the 380 calls uh, at nine and a quarter is what we ended on the 380 calls there. And if we look, and therefore the 21st. So the 380 calls right now are 11, 40, uh, 25 by 65. 
So we got in at nine and a quarter. Call it 9.45 is where we got in. It's worth 11.45 right now. So you got a $2 move right now on that option, right? So overall, that one is working out uh, extremely well. I may hold on to this one overnight. I bought next week. We've got enough profit built into it. Um, we'll see. But if we, I'm looking to see, we, so we sold off part of it. We're looking to see if we can get a breakout above. Because remember, we talked two standard deviation move. If we can get the breakout above, 397.18 is our next resistance. And what's there? The eight moving average. So there's the next level. So we're only sitting on half the position open right now. So that was okay. trade number two for today. Okay. How many, by the way, I don't think we ever, how many trades did you make today? Uh, <laughs> between managing some of the covered calls, iron condor type positions, I think it was six or seven we did today. Okay. Uh, I right. did spy, I did queues, a, I did bido. Those are three others that I added to today. That's a, that's a busy day for you, Rob. I feel like you, six or seven trades in a day is a lot for you. It's a busy day. It's a busy day. Yeah. But again, yeah. some were investments. I knew I wanted to make them on those last three. So not a lot of work. It was just getting the, the pricing structure right and, and entering on a good bounce instead of if we're looking like we're tripping over. So yeah, overall looks you know looked good. It was good setup today. Good day. But I don't nice. I normally do three to five, maybe eight trades in an entire week that are not my managing right. of my covered calls and things like that. That's just directional right. and or day trades. Nice. So, right. Hey, yeah. guys, by the way, if uh, Rob joins us on our show, uh, if you if you have tickers for Robert Roy, uh, drop them in the chat. I Rob will look at any chart uh, of anything and give you his honest feedback. He, if he doesn't trade it, he'll say he'll say that, too. But um, drop what up, winter pegs? Drop your tickers for Rob in the chat and uh, whatever you want to look at, we can look at as well. But okay, so th these are a few trades that you you ran into today. I I would be curious, Rob. Can you just pull up like um, a JP Morgan for me? I would like your thoughts on that because they report on Friday, and um, this is this is a a constant uh, trade that that I'm looking at is uh, run ups into earnings reports. JP Morgan does typically have. A, a run up of, of a couple percentage points on average uh, in, in the days and weeks into its earnings. So it's, it's obviously already had a run here, but um, I'd be curious to get your thoughts here. So it is when it comes to earnings, Spencer, the only trade, the, the only way that I trade them any longer, because we used to do something called a chicken trade, which is basically yep. a strangle. We bought a call and a put out of the money, anticipating enough movement in a direction. And one side would go up, the other side would become worthless. But if you made enough, if you moved enough, you made enough on one leg that you yep. were profitable. And the market makers figured that out. This is a few years ago now. And they start jacking prices up about two weeks prior to earnings on the options. And you don't get the moves that you, that you would. I mean, I've seen it where Google, Google had a $25 move one day and their options dropped $12 in value you know, on their call options, let's say. So uh, because of that, I tend to trade them in two very specific ways. Both of them relate to the actual announcement happening. Uh, one of the things we do is on high value NASDAQ stocks. And when I say high value, I'm talking about stocks that have high value in the NASDAQ. So the Amazons, the Apples of the world, uh, Google, stocks that have a high percentage of ownership in the NASDAQ. We trade the futures on that as the announcement is taking place. They all announce after the market. So we're watching the NQ futures and we're trading the futures based on that movement, uh, which we crush it on regularly. 
The other way I trade them is I wait until after the announcement because that overinflated option tends to become underinflated or devalued because the market maker realizes there's so many people that are going to need to get out of that put that just went against them that they crush that price down, they collapse the volatility. And then instead of getting the $6 it was listed for, it may be worth 380. Uh, and I'll pick up a directional trade from that. So with that being said, banks do tend to have nice runs into earnings, right? Any of the, the banking industry yeah. uh, does, Citigroup, all of them. Um, if we get the bounce, I see 172 as the easy mark. And we're in a bullish bias. And I think with what's going on with Powell, uh, not the nomination, again, the confirmation, but the interest rate hikes. I think you're going to see some some more profit going on in there. So if we're right, uh, we're looking at, right, if the market moves it up, we're looking at 172. If we're mm -hmm. if we do, it does go against us, we'll blow through the 165 and we'll hit that 162 easily. Okay, let's do a couple more tickers here. I, the tickers are flying. So let's look at, um, okay, fine, Ryan. Since we looked at JP Morgan, you want to look at Goldman Sachs? I mean, the charts look identical. So I'm, I'm sure the analysis would be <laughs> identical as so well. We just added Goldman Sachs to our list. Uh, we took, uh, who do we take off? It wasn't square. We kept square. We pulled somebody off our list that was not performing for us at all. Uh, over the last year, we had very little profit on that trade whatsoever for the year. And we added Goldman Sachs. They've got earnings coming up in a couple of days. Uh, the Fibonacci is pretty clear. It was a very strong bullish thrusting pattern that we got through that Fib. We have tagged that 618 two different times here. Great moves on both of them. Same thing here. I mean, we got one, two, three line move on each of those pushes. Uh, right here, we got one and a half before we finally continued. So we're in a bullish bias right now, but we're running into what I call a health zone, right? Or an area of strength. You've got that 400 and the 402 level, which is what that blue rectangle box is. That area is going to offer some additional resistance in there across the board. So until we can either A, close above it, retest the 402 and bounce, or B, break where we get under the lowest moving average, I'll sit back and potentially day trade it, but really not excited about it with as much. See, when I talk clear and concise, we don't have a clear path to the next line. I've got an eight moving average, a right. 55, a 21. It's a mess. You're driving in midtown Manhattan at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. So I'd rather do it up here where we are, you know, at one o'clock in the morning or down here where we're one sure. o'clock in the morning. We're out of the sure. way. All right. So okay. nothing for me on Goldman right now. All right, let's do one more. Uh, let's do. Oh man, uh, I, I Daniel, I can't tell if those are all different tickers or the same one. Uh, um, you want to look at like Tesla calls? I mean, Ive Tesla. Why would I not? I love, always love Tesla. Again, we got to be cautious with earnings. Oh, uh, let's see. We just nah, checked. Er earnings not probably not probably for three weeks. Yeah, I know. For us. For me, yeah. if it's less than three weeks, if it's before this blue line, um, Spencer, we will yeah. only day trade it. We will not swing trade it if it's okay. to the left of that blue line. But with where we are right now, we're kind of in the middle of these two fib lines, right? We've got a lot of room to go. Uh, right now, we're at one. We're at ten sixty. We're looking at eleven hundred and three. So uh, we can easily make that move in a day. But I'd want to see the push coming up off of. The moving average there close above that eight moving average, which is the pink line, retested and bounced with that eleven oh three 
uh, as our resistance. And if we look for the options, again, I'm a big day trader. This is one of my favorite stocks to trade. I actually got my cardiologist involved with this. And he, every time I see him now, I just picked up some more shares. Um, so Tesla for this week, we're looking at a 66 Delta. It's going to cost us about 41 bucks a share because I want at least a 65 Delta and a 100 open interest. Uh, if you're going to try going out of the money, I would stay away from the at the money options. Stay away from that 50-ish Delta because you're paying for the highest time value. That is where the market maker, it's a coin flip. You're paying the most money for time value there. I would get closer to a 40 delta if you were looking at trying to go out of the money with them. Just realize you're not going to get as much move. You will get 39 cent move-ish for every dollar the stock moves at the 1080s. And I will get 66 cent for every dollar the stock moves at 1035. All right. What, what did you do more? And then we got to hop up. Uh, Pfizer and Visa. We'll end with those. All right. So Pfizer. Let's go to Pfizer. So Pfizer, I love the position it's at. We've got a confluence of the 8 and 21 moving average and that 55.70. Earnings is to the right of that blue bar. Uh, let's see, 56 to 60 is 4. So we should be okay there. So we're looking at, we close, we're closing, if this was the end of the day, right at those two moving averages. If I can get the bounce, I'm looking at that 59.71 as my resistance. So somewhere down below, that would be my target. But I do like the pattern it's in. I just it's so big, so big, so blue chip. It just doesn't get enough movement for me uh, on a day to day basis. Every time they come out with news, it seems like we're better off with um, was it uh, BNFX or BFNX or what? Are you, are you talking about BNTX? Is BNTX okay? Yeah, yeah. BNTX. I don't trade it. Uh, I just see yeah. it because of COVID. We just seem to get much bigger moves. $39 is its pivot. So it moves about 20 bucks a day. Uh, where Pfizer, we get a $1.80 move a day. So I, I like the bigger moves. So I would trade be trading that one. But Pfizer, long-term, bigger picture, longer hold. I would be looking at this more of covered calls, diagonal spreads, and things like that. And then... Just Visa as, as the last one before we go. Visa. All right. So they got smacked today. Oh, actually, there's our bounce. So they got smacked yesterday. They came back a little bit. And there's the ping pong, right? Right in between the 208 half and the 214 quarter trade uh, setup. Right now, where are we? It, could we trade a bullish trade on this? Our moving averages are in the right order for bullish. So I would need to get above that eight moving average to take that trade with 220.82 as my resistance. And then 223.48 is the second resistance from there, right? And we, we teach these ping pong trades regularly. There's a whole series of rules associated with them. Actually, I'm doing a training on the 13th. Uh, yeah, on the 13th, I'm doing a – is the first one. We're doing a couple of them where we'll be sharing things like this in that training. It's a free class, guys, if you're interested. Uh, you guys have our link, I think, Spencer, right? The Trade with Rob. Trade with Rob. Yep. Go to trade with Rob. I don't even know if I still have it open. Oh, I do actually. So if you go to, um, actually it's not trade with Rob. We've got it on trading like a boss.com trading like a boss.com trading like a boss. Yeah. Someone needs to kick tail in the market. It is a new year. And if you guys want to learn how to do it, 
this 30 days to trading success is it. We spent right. a year building this program out. We're giving it away for free. Uh, and it's this week, this week and next week, we've got a couple of trainings for him. So there we go. check it out. If you're interested, great. If not on trading, like a boss, all these resources are free guys, you know, take advantage of them. You'll, you'll get some amazing opportunities to learn how to trade from this. All right, Robert Roy, always a pleasure, man. Have a good rest of the week. Thanks Fantastic. a lot. Fantastic. You too, guys. Take care. All right. Peace. Let's bring on Christian from Hertz, the man with the man in the WeWork. That's what I call him as of just now because he is always coming to us from his WeWork office. He, he was the man that wanted to buy WeWork. I heard he wanted to buy the top. Christian, is that true in WeWork? <laughs> buy the top. And I don't know what that means. What do you mean I don't know it? what that means either, actually. <laughs> How do I buy the top and we work? Do I? I don't I, know. <laughs> How are we doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Um, if you can, uh, can uh, Christian, share us, yeah. share us your charts. If you, uh, I'd love to uh, right, see me... what you're watching today. And let's start with this. Uh, Want to get your reaction to yesterday's rip roaring? Uh, let's let's call it yesterday's bipolar action. We were we were down everywhere in the morning. We were up everywhere in the afternoon. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly was uh, it, it certainly was, was another test. And I think just, um, you know, one of those things where the markets just got to the point where I think it was enough is enough. Um, you know, you kind of think about things in terms of like a seesaw. You know, I, I don't I'm trying to remember this uh, or I was trying to think about this and, and remember this uh yesterday in terms of how bad of a year this has been a start you know just for the first week the queues were down four and a half percent and then i think you know at one point yesterday probably down uh year to date about six and a half seven percent so it was like come on already you know i mean there's got to be at some point buyers stepping into this market as well as the shorts taking some profits too so i think you know, a little bit of combination of the two, you know, I, I think also there was some, you know, when I'm going through my charts, there's always some technicals that I'm saying, okay, well, this could be an area to bounce from. And, you know, we saw a couple of those levels, both in the S&P and the NASDAQ. So I, I, I'm always kind of meshing my ideas and, and what I'm thinking and some of my instincts with the technicals and hoping that they line up together. Um, and if they don't, you know, then you got to reassess a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you know, even today, I would say you would think after the kind of rebound that we got yesterday that you would be looking for some follow through. And um, it's been tricky. Like, you know, you know, Powell was speaking today. So things were going to be a little bit uh, whippy around that. But, you know, it kind of seems a little bit of an overreaction even this morning because the Powell speech was released yesterday. And, you know, Let's be honest here. The the congressmen, you know, are sometimes are asking questions like, hey, what's your favorite color? You know, so, <laughs> you know, I think there is one question about, hey, is everything right on your resume? You know, so there, it's you don't get the, the best information or the most ground, you know, breaking or moving, um, you know, information out of these congressional testimonies, more so out of, um, you know, the Fed meeting, which will be in what, I think, a couple of weeks at this point. Um. I'm not sure. Let me check. Yeah, I think so. We, we got that coming up. But yeah, I mean, I think um, that that'll be another, uh, you, you know, we'll get more guidance. And that was the one thing. Yep, that, January, that, January 25th and 26th. January 25th and 26th. OK, perfect. But I think, even, you know, even he said uh, to one of the questions when they talk about, 
the the balance sheet, the possible balance sheet tapering, um, that they'll have more information on that. So it sounds like they're still kind of figuring the timeline out. So um, you know that will be remains to be seen. In the meantime, um, the market's kind of kind of whip around a little bit, and we and we can talk a little bit about that too if you guys like. Yeah, of course. I mean, yesterday we were we were watching the price action all day, like Spencer said. I actually. Um, kind of half in jest when the when the queues were down about two and a half percent said like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we turn green on the day and then wouldn't you nice. know it uh that that's exactly what happened and then today i find it interesting you look at the queues um versus the the dow or, or just some big bank stocks you know it's actually like wow the the strength today is in growth and in tech mm -hmm. and out of after every you know thing we've been saying the past week or so it's just um, it, it's always interesting to see in real time kind of how quickly that sentiment changes. Like a, a lot of times, um, sentiment can follow price in a way, right? Right, right, Ex exactly. So, you know, I, I think you know tomorrow we've tomorrow we have a, a big report coming out. We've got the CPI report, which now everybody is is watching and expecting, um, and then uh, and then we have the PPI report too, which is another gauge of in, inflation, the producer price index too. But you know, at this point, how much uh, you know? I think people are really anticipating kind of an ugly inflation report. So perhaps, well, yeah. I, I was just gonna say I would almost argue in that sense. Um, there's more of a, there's a potential for more of like a bullish upside with the CPI than bearish. Cause I think everyone's already, like you said, expecting such a high inflation number that, um, if we, if it is, I mean, obviously if it's way off and way higher than expected, that could still definitely bog down the markets. But if it's actually, oh, you know, that wasn't too bad. We were expecting, uh, you know, six and a half percent and really it was six and three tenths of a percent, uh, then that could be on the bullish side. Right. It could be, it could could potentially be and it's one of those things too for the market that you know you could see what's going on now we're around the high we are at the highs of the day so <clears throat> you can't really wait for some of these things you know if you're like oh i'm gonna buy once we get the c you know the cpi report is over you know the market just will continue to do what it wants to do and you know i think even if you look at this morning which you know on my charts you know i i look very very closely at volume at price and and we have what's called value areas which um take those those val uh, volume at price and make them significant levels um on our charts but you know we had a nice little double bottom but um as i was saying before I was looking for follow through today and you didn't have to be super you know bullish in, um you know, positioned um, into today to to get that move because this market is kind of whipping around so that you can kind of um, have some dry powder into tomorrow so that if we do get some type of a bad reaction or overreaction you could kind of stand ready and, and watch your support levels and you know as long as we're making let's say a, you know another uh, higher low for the day um, like we did here uh, then um, you know game on for for possible upside continuation. Yeah, and, and the other kind of trend I noticed today, mm -hmm. um, a lot of stocks that have been, let's say, beaten up, having good days today. Yeah, and I, th and, you know, going through the charts, like you know, after that huge move that we got yesterday from from the lows to where we finished, you know, I was going through some charts last. You know, I was obviously doing it during the day as well, but after the close and saying, hey, what names are really kind of setting up and. There were so many names that in the growth space that 
kind of looked similar, that really, really beaten up. And it looked like they were due for that bounce today, which some of them are getting, um, you know. Yeah, let's go to, uh, let's say, Hood, for an, for example. Yeah, sure. I was going to go to Roadblocks, but we could go to. Um, yeah, to yeah. Ro- yeah. Roadblocks, Hood. Um, what's Oh, Fubo. We got to check in on Fubo, too. <laughs> well, this is the the couple that you mentioned are the the on the on the end of the spectrum, the real far end of the spectrum in terms of beaten up. Um, I think any you know, I I think Roadblocks is a, is a little bit more of a higher quality uh, name than than the two that you mentioned. But we'll certainly go over those charts. Hood, I mean, you could see is just in such a downtrend that um, you know, for me, I, I'm a trend trader and I, I really don't participate in too many names that are in downtrends like this. But I think you're kind of butting up, uh, believe it or not, in some resistance at 1668. Um, from there, if you can get above that, you know, what I tend to look at is multiple time frames to see where the next resistance is. And then I would say, <clears throat> if you can get above 1668, then possibly 1740. Right, if the move continues, but you got to be very wary of these names that are in downtrends. Uh, I say this expression a lot, but you know, a name and da- a downtrend could definitely bounce, but a- but most of the time they resume their downtrend. Right, there was a little bit of a bounce in the beginning of last week. Right, we ran right into that kind of same resistance. So um, this looks like a little bit of a healthier bounce than normal. You know, it's a nice move just for day trading purposes. Um, Hood and and what was the other name? Excuse me. Um, Fubo. Hood, Fubo, Fubo Roblox. Th- those were kind of the three that I had seen that have just been beaten down the past, say, six weeks or so, uh, all having good days today. Yeah. So if you were playing for the bounce in Fubo, I would be ringing the cash register here. Uh, 50, you know, 1514, 1548. Um, you know, again, you could kind of see that there's some there's more resistance levels stacked in front of you. So, again, very difficult for when a name is is been this under this kind of pressure, there's no doubt, and you could see every time that this thing has has had a green bar to it, you know it's kind of been faded. You know, here was one where you started the day green and you finished red. So I I would be very mindful that um, you know you got the bounce in some of these things, and um, I think super high growth like this that you want to be uh, ringing the register. I mean, so the so the one thing with the Fed is that, you know, and I know it seems like there's a lot of doubt about how many times they're going to raise interest rates, but it definitely does seem, seem like a change in tone, you know, since we heard those Fed minutes that were a little bit more hawkish than, than what we heard previously. So I think that even makes it harder for some of these names to just up and reverse, right? Unless there's a major reversal in Powell's stance, uh, I think these names you know, maybe begin to chop around a little bit uh, because that is kind of the result of names that will be in downtrends for a little while. Usually what they'll do is, you know, in, instead of looking for like a complete reversal, you know, maybe they just, they base around here, right? Um, that's usually what I tend to look for in names that are in downtrends. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you said it best, right? Stocks and downtrends can bounce, but more than likely they not, that uh, they continue or more often than not, the stocks continue to move lower. Uh, are there any signs on a bounce like this that, to you, are is like an early sign of okay, this is a sustained reversal, not just a, a one day bounce and then back to the downtrend? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm actually looking really hard at the Chinese Internet Group um, and <laughs> K Web. 
Yeah, so so the Chinese internet group, uh, it's been seeing inflows uh, on the ETF side. It's also been seeing a decent amount of call activity, which, you know, uh, to be absolutely uh, transparent, they, it's been seeing call activity for the last couple months. Um, but there's been a pickup of that again. And it seems like, you know, these things for, for the first time in, in a while, there's a test of the 20-day moving average. So, um I'm also looking at this on the weekly chart too, and we've got a support level right around this 3560. So, by chance, you know, and we did this last time that we did this was back in um, in the middle of 2021, and then we kind of lost it and, and broke down. So, this is something that 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 I'm that I'm interested in here. Um, it's just for me, being that I am a trend trader, it's difficult. But I, I it's so. I tend to go from level to level, you know, just look for some resistance. 18, uh, there was one area right around 18, uh, sorry, 38.40 and 39, um, where we could run into a little bit of resistance. But I, I think as long as you've got a stop price, and at this point, you know, maybe using the five period moving average, which I use a lot on my charts, um, as well as 37.40, would be a, a place that I would say, hey, if it's if the bounce if the bounce ceases, um, that would be an area to kind of take you know take the trade off. Got it, got it. All right, I'm just checking up on the chat, seeing if we've got anything, any other tickers flying out in the chat. Let us know. We'll we'll take a look. We're looking at what's hot today. Um, yeah, and I could you know, go through. I could go through a couple other areas too, where where I think are really you know we talked about some so far, you know the names and growth, which I think is completely. I don't want to say expected because there's nothing 100% expected, but I, I think it was, um, you know, that it's that there was a high probability at some point that we were going to see a a a, um, a bounce in some of these growth names. But I'll tell you what I do like is is what's going on in these energy names. They are continuing to lead, right? And I'm happy to take any other, you know, of course tickers. But this oxy looks wonderful today, coming out of this little uh, bull flag. Um, RRC is one name that I'm also playing, right? Which is kind of moving out of the consolidation. So this is what, what I was about, referring. What about, what about MRO? Yeah, let's look at MRO. I haven't. Look, I actually haven't looked at that one. But that, I'm that just one's curious. Just... It, it's it's in such a strong trend, but I, I don't know. You'd know better than I would if it, if it, if you think it's getting a little overextended, or if you would expect this trend to continue. I think you want to stick with the trend. I mean, it's not super overbought. If you want to use like the the RSI study, um, it's about a 66. But there's to me, there's no reason to sell this stock right now. It's just it's trending along with a five-day moving average. Um, you could certainly see that it's it's trading above what we call the January value area for the month. So that's a good thing. That's confirming that it's breaking out. And I would use the five-period moving average as your stop. You know, if it's and use that as your trailing stop. Um, upside target, I would say, is maybe twenty dollars in this name, which is you know a, a decent. It's about uh, would be about ten per twenty percent. No, ten percent. Two dollars. Uh, yeah, but uh, about ten ten percent up. Ten percent. Uh, yeah, a little bit less than that actually. Sorry, do, can't do math right now. But uh, yeah, dollar seventy yeah. would be a little less than ten percent of eighteen. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's go back to the names that that you had originally mentioned in the energy space. The other thing about trading uh, the energy or some of these more value names right now is if the inflation number does affect the market tomorrow, these names will be uh, more likely less affected than the growth tech names. I would presume. Right. Yeah. I mean, th th you know, that's the key. I think, uh, you know, if there is a 
um, a very high CPI report and PPI report, and, and that kind of confirms what's going on, then I think energy and, and even some banks um, at this point, which had a huge move last week. But even if you look at like a, like a Morgan Stanley, which um, I was listening to your previous segment, JP Morgan and uh, Goldman, which really haven't participated like the regional banks have done. Some of these regional banks, you know, have just gone ballistic to, to the upside and and um, are taking a little bit of a break so far this week. Right. But if you look at something like a key bank, you know, complete breakout. Um, what was the one I was playing last week? F Fifth Third, which is also having a huge move. We haven't really seen that out of the big investment banks, um, the big broker dealers yet. But I think one that could be on the fringe of a breakout is Morgan Stanley. Now, it gets a little bit complicated, uh, just as you guys were talking about. We've got earnings for all these names coming up. But, you know, very easy level to watch is this 105. And um, what I like about Morgan Stanley is it's been going sideways for a number of months. So, you know, maybe the broker dealers could be the the last of this move in the financials. Uh, and 105 would be, which is basically trading where it is right now. Um, I would like to see a weekly close above 105.15. And I think you got a uh, you got a breakout in the works for Morgan Stanley. Looks really good to me. Yeah, and and Christian, I don't know, uh, you know, if if you like to play these names through options or anything like that. But what I I was taught by someone who you know I consider an expert in options was explaining to me that in some of these, uh, you know, whether it's financials or energy companies, really value names in general that tend to be less volatile, um, you know, than your Robloxes, than your uh, Robin Hoods. You can actually get a nice premium increase if you're playing the options on them and there is a big volatile move. So if it does go up or down 5%, that because it doesn't have as high of an implied volatility, uh, you can squeeze some premium out of those trades that way. Yeah, that's a great point. You're, you're 100% correct. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think it's overlooked uh, with with options in the value names, which again, you know, people kind of think value, it's a little bit boring. But um, if you could kind of hit a trade that is moves a bit um you know, has more volatility than it normally does and has a has a nice move like those regional bank names had last week, you're really going to find some nice premium pickup um, versus, you know, some of the names that we already talked about. The options are always expensive. So you, you really have to be with those names. I mean, always with options, you need to get two things right, right? You need, you need to get the move, the direction of the move, and you need to get the timing right. But you have a little bit more forgiveness um, I think with some of the value names, because if you look at the implied volatility, that might be a little bit more similar to what the to what the S and P is, uh, versus you know some of these uh, growth names could be two three times more than that, and um, you really have to be right in those circumstances with the high growth names. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Um, let's get back to, we'll take a look at some more of these names in the energy field. I think you had mentioned Oxy mm -hmm. and then we'll take some, uh, uh, some tickers out of the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you're ready, uh, let me know what, what tickers I could also talk a little bit about the material names, which also kind of are in that inflation wheelhouse, but I think FCX is, is it's a little bit of a slower mover. Um, but it's certainly turning the right way here. Um, and one other name too, I wanted to mention, uh, which was brought to my, uh, which was brought to my attention in my trading room, was PBR. Um, I know Spencer loves PBRs, uh, but uh, the talk about the the, uh, the stock, um, it actually 
we're seeing some nice moves in some some international name. You know, I mentioned the Chinese Internet Group, but also if you look at across at at um, some of the material names in emerging markets um, and just straight international, um, they look pretty decent here. They've got some momentum to them. So I'm looking to see if PBR closes at 11:24 for the day, and if it does, you know, zoom out a little bit in your chart and realize that some of the bases in these names. Right. You know, if they really want to start to get going, um, they, they've got some some nice levels to kind of target above, which I see like about $14 um, on my weekly chart. $13 yeah. on the daily chart. So that's another good looking one, I think, in energy. Yeah. Why don't we do this? Any other names you have on your watch list? Let's run through real quick. We can look at the charts. And then after that, we'll do a, a from the chat segment where I just uh, will pull a ticker from the chat. and We can rapid fire them off real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, so you want me to go through a couple more names, right? Yeah, if you have them on your watch list. If not, we'll, we'll get to the ones from the chat now. Yeah, so we'll turn back a little bit to growth. But um, I, I think lo what Lucid is doing, right? I know like Tesla continues to get the attention and, and you know, there's option activity in Tesla every day. So you can make a case for bullish option flow in Tesla just about every day. But um, I find what's been happening, uh, what's been going on in Lucid is is pretty interesting. Now, it's nice, too, because I don't think Lucid is really in a lot of the uh, the major indices yet. So, um, you know, if there's a if there's a, a sell program that that hits some of the indices, sometimes it doesn't hit some of these some of these newer names. Um, but one thing that I noticed with Lucid last week was it was acting really well for a growth name. It was doing something different, which I, I always try to find those names that are doing a little bit something different and showing relative strength. Um, so this is the first day that you've well, the, the day's not over. You got a couple, couple more hours to go. But if it if it holds here, um, you got a, a close back above the 50 day moving average. And now, um, you know, what I tend to do in a lot of my trading is just, you know, I have those ideas and then I know exactly where I, the, the idea is not going to work. Right. Because some of my ideas work. Some of my ideas uh, don't work um, based on what the technicals are doing. Right. So um, I think going long versus 4276 um, is a nice shot here and, and a name that's been acting very, very well. Um, and then you could maybe target 50, 51. Let's see if there's anything else up here. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that that's a nice, nice looking chart. Um, nice to see this name get above its 50-day moving average and just act really well. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a yeah. name that we, we get a lot of interest from, just Lucid in general. Uh, a lot of retail investors in it. I think, you know, like a lot of other companies kind of in the space, there's a lot of upside, but you got to worry about when it gets overextended, then, then they tend to come down hard. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think this, you know, as long as you, you've got that, you know, alert set, you know, right around the 42 level so that if it, you know, we're, we have seen, of course, a lot of fake moves. So, you know, you want to be cognizant of that. But um, I love how this thing just kind of based. Right. You, you know, if you look at so this is 12, obviously 1213. Right. I mean, not to say that this is exactly the same thing, but, you know, you could look at the cues over this time and say, hey, was, was this showing relative strength or relative weakness? To me, you know, looking at this pattern that we've seen, you know, made a new high here, but obviously, you know, really went lower. I love the relative strength um, in Lucid, you know, and I think even acting better than Tesla right now. Wow. Yeah. All right. Adding that to my watch list, Lucid, ticker LCID. 
Um, one more, and you know, just kind of an interesting one to me because I get so many questions on this one is PayPal. Um, it looked like PayPal might be taking that next leg lower after um, after this. I don't I don't like these consolidation periods after a big move down. Um, you know, a week or two I get. You know, that's that's fine. But you know, after this big volume and big big selling by the institutions. Uh, you know, at one point yesterday, it looked like this was ready to take that next leg lower. Um, it came back. So, I, you know, maybe this is a false move from yesterday. Um, bottom line, I'm still waiting for this to turn the corner. And I would look for a close above 193 um, in PayPal. And again, if it happens to get above 193, then what I would do is, you know, use that 193 as your support level, your stop level and say, hey, I'm going to get out of this thing. If it's not going to bounce, Right. I think, you know, you know, of course, depending on your time frame, unless you're a long term investor. Um, but I think if you're a swing trader, you know, you want to be able to see this and get above 193 and then use that as your um, your support, your stop level. Yeah. And, and while we're here, because uh, I see it in the chat, too, let's check in on Square real quick. Oftentimes uh, Square or Block now and uh, PayPal kind of trade trade similarly. Yeah, Square has actually gotten uh, more beaten up. And, you know, again, the, the term that I would use here is relative weakness. So I, I, I think it's, it's nice that it's bouncing from the lows here. But I see some resistance at 158, you know. And I, I think the main thing to kind of remember with some of these stocks is, you know, these were great stocks in years past. Um, they, you know, I would make them prove it to you that they're going to come back, right? I always get the question, you know, in terms of like, hey, was this a good buying opportunity here? Um, I, I don't view it is until it acts better. Um, it needs, I need to see it in the price action. Um, I say this a lot to, to, um, to traders as well too, but the stock has to sell me on why I should be in it, right? And it needs to be acting better than just trending down um, because we don't know how long this trend down is going to last. You know, if it does rally a little bit more into 158 and gets rejected, that's not really a great trade to me, right? I like to be in trades for longer than, you know, a couple days. And um, I don't need to try to catch the ultimate bottom in some of these stocks. Yeah, I mean, catching bottoms is never going to be a sustainable uh, trading tactic, right? You may you may get lucky. You, you may feel great when you finally catch that, uh, bottom and you get that 10% bounce or whatever it is, but it's going to be a lot more uh, repeatable and sustainable to, to play the trends. Right. And and with with some of these names that are so beaten up, I, I would say like, hey, if you're going to give a shot to these, you know, like any trade, know, know where your out is, know where your stop is, but also, you know, think about like, you know, how, you know, what's your goal in this stock? Like, so for me, it would be probably playing a bounce to that 158 level. Whoops. Um, you know, but I think a lot of traders, they have a tendency to say like, oh, it's, it's cheap here. So then they get in it and <clears throat> it bounces and they're kind of happy. And then half of them resume their downtrend and they're like, oh, geez, now I'm stuck with this trade, you know, and now I got to wait to see for the next bounce. But I would really try to plan out, you know, before you click that mouse, where you're thinking about, you know, especially in the names like this. Uh, is it just for a couple dollar move? And, um, you know, making sure that you're going to exit if it resumes that downtrend. 100% agreed. All right, let's get to some uh, tickers from the chat. Corey wants to look at CLF, Cleveland Cliffs, I believe. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting what's going on with this name. I, I was in um, a similar name. I was in Nucor uh, about, I think about a week ago and, you know, got the bounce out, out of it. But um, they're just not, for some reason, the U.S. steel names um, are just not acting that great. Um, this is so far made a lower high here, which I don't like to see. Um, it does have support here at the 200, which, you know, you could use that for, for either a trade entry as or your stop um, and see if it wants to bounce here. But I'll tell you what, I'm just, you know, not, not loving what's going on. And, you know, they're right in the wheelhouse too of, of what this market likes right now, which is cheap stocks, right? You look at the PE of these stocks and they're, you know, U.S. Steel, I think is in the single digits, but it's not acting well, which tells me, you know, um, go somewhere else with your money. Look at what happened in Nucor last week. You know, nice, nice move, false break. Um, what I do like, just to give you a couple ideas, is I like how this MT is acting. Right. So, like I said, a couple of international names. Um, MT is one name. Um, what's the what's the other name that I saw? Um, another international name that I'm thinking of, not Cliffs. It's another cheap Vale. <laughs> I knew it would come to me. This one's doing go. something different, too. Right. So this is actually breaking out. You know, maybe it's just gotten to the level where it's gotten cheap enough. But I would try to stay, you know, try a long versus $14. It's already made a little bit of a move, um, you know, maybe a target up at $15 in this one because it seems like it's retracing. And again, take a look at the difference in a name that was in a downtrend, right? Kind of took out this last level. Um, this is called a version point of control, you know, and made it a little bit of an inverted head and shoulders, right? Went sideways for a little bit and now is just continuing to progress. So that's more likely, I think. Um, we're gonna head, gonna be hitting some resistance here at 1566, but I think um, some of these international uh, steel names are acting a little bit um, better. TX is another one, which I think is a steel name. You know, back checking this top of value at 4560 um, could be an area to kind of um, accumulate here. And I like that this, this little uh, move got above prior resistance. So again, I'm, I'm all about, you know, going back to Cliff, you know, taking out previous levels. I don't like when names get to uh, a previous resistance level and they stall because that's known as a, as a lower high. Right. Yeah. And I mean, just looking at Cleveland Cliffs and some of these other names, it's like there are, are so many names out there that are doing well and that are in kind of uh, uptrends, you could say, that I wouldn't be getting in any that aren't in one of those clear trends. Exactly. Um, Someone, uh, Meg in the chat, wants to look at Take Two. Man, this is my first time looking at Take Two today. Actually, I'm I, I was so close yesterday to like buying some leaps on Take Two, and but it's just like what we're talking about. Like I wasn't gonna try to catch the bottom. I want to see if if we do get that reversal, if if there's an uptrend established. Yeah, this I don't I don't know why it had this gap down, but that's uh. Uh, was yesterday there... was that they announced a, a acquisition deal with Zynga, the mobile gaming company. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, and the street did not like it for Take Two. Take Two was trading down about 13%. And that was kind of my thesis on the leaps was I was like, I, I don't think Take Two is fundamentally uh, worth 13% less than it was last week, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is typically what happens when, when, there's, when there's an acquisition. So the, the acquiring company... Um, especially like if the street really doesn't, you know, like it, you will see the name kind of 
go into kind of no man's land, um, a little bit of dead money, and then you kind of have to wait for the deal to go through. So that's what's going on here. I, I would be very frustrated, you know, if, if I was in the stock. So I, I feel your frustration. Um, but I think it's going to take some time for this to, you know, on whether or not the deal goes through and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, you're kind of in uh, no man's land down here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in this stock right now. I was just looking at leaps yesterday and didn't pull a trigger. And now it's up 3%. So, yeah. And, um, they, and these names haven't really been acting well, um, you know, recently. Talking about lower highs, you know, the last move here back in on 1230, um, you know, couldn't get over this level. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been a t some of these gaming names have been really tough. Yeah. Activision um, Blizzard's had a tough uh, couple oh, months. Yeah. Obviously, Activision has some. Uh, you know, negative company news. I actually, out of all the video game companies, you know, if we're just talking EA, Activision, Take Two, I do like Take Two the most. I think from a from a fundamental standpoint, kind of they they have like the um, best balance sheet financials. It looks like to me. Um, but but we can take a look at Roblox after this too, because Roblox is kind of in that space. But I would I would argue that Roblox is a little bit different from you know your Activision, EA, and Take Two. Yeah. So, so Roblox. Um, yeah, great. Cause I wanted to cover this one too. I, you know, I do like how the, the earnings gap, right. Was filled on this one. Um, you know, price kind of came back in here and then, you know, like I said, just like anything, cause I don't, I don't have a great level of support here. You know, maybe you can use this new 200 day moving average, right. Which is just kind of coming into the picture. Um, I think that this one, it may take some time to straighten out a bit. You're going to have some resistance here at 9360 to get through. Um, see if there's anything else. Um, also probably some resistance up here at 95, but you could see, you know, this was, <laughs> this was a really nice reversal off this. By the way, these version point of controls, they are an area, these red lines on my charts, they're a high level of volume that price has not revisited. So price likes to seek these things out and then often have a reversal off of them. So um, I think, you know, my guess on roadblocks is that you're probably going to need to have some patience after this type of a move, but, you know, maybe it can start to kind of um, act a little bit better now that this whole move has been given, given back. Got it. Um, I've seen Netflix thrown out there in the chat a couple times, and I was actually just looking at Netflix's chart. I forget who asked about it, um, but I was looking at a very long term. I think I was looking at like weeklies going back like three years and just kind of drew a trend line. Yep. And you could see that the um, at certain points, the stock got extended beyond that trend line or, or the uh, the price would get extended beyond that share, uh, trend line and get a little bit higher. And then it would come back down to the trend line and then bounce again. Um, and it looked like when I did that, that we were getting back in line with that uh, trend line. Yeah, I mean, this stock was kind of it made a really interesting move on the back end of um, of last year where, it, you know, it was going sideways for for really a long time. And um, it broke out of that sideways pattern and made a wonderful move from like 550 to 675. Uh, and then since then, it's it's been kind of a horror show um, and gave it back. And especially, you know, to start the year, this is the new value area for 2000, uh, 2022. And to start this way um, above value and to break inside is not the best, um, not the best look here. Um, 
it will, I think, you know, earnings is coming up, which is going to be on what, 120. Right? That, that's going to be the deciding factor for the stock. You know, maybe it can get going, um, but I would be wary of where this trend has been going. Um, I don't like, you know, even though it's kind of back to this, this chop right now, um, I don't like how it's looking on the weekly chart. Um, but again, earnings could definitely change the picture. And I, I would look to see what um, what transpires there. Yeah, and just for some context, um, I, I think you, let me double check, confirm. Yep, you are right. Uh, January 20th after hours, Netflix will be reporting. Uh, someone said something about Squid Game in the, in the chat. Squid Game, uh, so last time Netflix reported, Squid Game was like ongoing, the top show in the world. Right. Um, but those the the numbers themselves, I don't think were reflected in that earnings or guidance because it, it was still ongoing. So we probably will get some more insight into uh, all those Squid Game numbers. And then of course they also have Don't Look Up, uh, the movie right now with Leonardo DiCaprio and some other big names on Netflix. So I think Ozark's be... coming out again too, which would Ooh, be. The, yeah. I, I'm a uh, I'm from Missouri, so I grew up like going to like the Ozark. So I love that show. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's fun to like see like. It's always funny. Anytime like Missouri is included in a movie or TV show, it's it's usually <laughs> never it's usually never like a great uh, thing. But <laughs> maybe a little more dark, like Ozark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a couple other uh, like there was that big movie a couple years ago, the something billboards in in Ebbing, Missouri. I don't know if you ever saw ah, that. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's fun. It's always fun. Where are you from, Christian? New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey, and my office is in New York City. So. Nice. Joining us from uh, New Jersey. Well, I'm in Detroit now, so we're both in the Eastern time zone now. Right, right. right. All right. And any other, you got any other names we want to go over? Um, Let's see. Let's see. NVIDIA. Let's check NVIDIA real quick. I think all the chip names are having a good day today. Yeah. Uh, NVIDIA, I, I'm worried about this name a little bit. Um, I would like to see this get back above 283. Right. And start to retake, you know, I've got these moving averages that are my charts, just just really easy for me to kind of see the trend. Right. So this one that I've got highlighted here is a big one. Right. That's the um, oh, no, this is this is that's the 20 day moving average. This is the 50 day moving average. Regardless, um, the price is below the 50, the 20, the five period moving average. So, again, it's nice to see this name kind of come back. I like the hammer bar. But this name's got work to do. Um, so I, I would love to see this be a leader in the market again. Um, but I, I got to see this get back above um, the those moving averages. Um, AMD is kind of a similar picture here. So, you know, you could day trade these things to your heart's content. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the overall trend uh, because you're going to have to battle with this 50-day moving average. And for a while... You know, this was a nice dip in here, right? Held beautifully the 50-day moving average, got a little bit away from it, back tested, and then you kind of had your failure. So, you know, it could be the start of, you know, re, you know, recovering from this, but um, I would definitely like to see um, that. A name that I'm watching as well today has been a little bit tricky uh, <laughs> the last week was Taiwan Semi, right? Speaking of the semis and, and maybe a little bit of a cheaper name in the group, yeah, I'm um, glad you brought this up because I was going to ask about that. I was going to say, while we're here, let's check in on TSM because this one to me is one that uh, might have like potential to catch up with other names in the industry, but who knows? Yeah, and this is another one. It's got earnings, right? So it's actually got has earnings this – what was that? Did it report? 
I don't think it reported. Maybe it, maybe it's tonight. No. Oh, no, it's the thirteenth. Thirteenth. Okay, so it, it is coming up. Oh, that's close. Yeah, it's, but but look at this pattern on the weekly. Right, this looks much more constructive. I mean, let's look at the two charts right now. So Nvidia, it, it's it is holding ground, and and on the weekly chart, I do have a good level for you of support. Um, I would be careful if Nvidia breaks two fifty eight. Right, um, I'm actually um, long this in my in my longer term account, so I'm I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt um, for now. But on Nvidia. Yeah, two two fifty eight would be would be the definitely the level to watch. If it breaks there, um, I will be out of this name. Um, Taiwan Semi, I think what I like about this is it's been going sideways and trying to resolve higher. Full disclosure, I got stopped out of a trade on this nasty candle last week. I got all excited about this thing and saying, hey, now the move is is starting to happen, um, and it kind of evaporated with the tech weakness last week. But it's certainly giving it another go. And um, I like this um, versus 123. So you can tell in my trading, I'm all I'm all about the level, right? And if because uh, again, I, this thing looks great to me now, but if it starts to break, you know, the other way, then I got to abandon the idea and, and look for something else. And um, there's so many stocks out there, right? That you can, you know, kind of pivot from one to the other. You don't have to, you know, fall in love with with the name or the idea. You know, I always say that, um, you know, my, my trading system is so much more important than than an individual name. Right. So um, but this this thing, it 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 has some potential here if it could continue to kind of get out of this um, the sideways pattern, because I, I love the, um, the the consolidation in an uptrend like this, even though it's been long, a long consol- consolidation, um, which if you look at it, you know, it did make a huge move. So sometimes after huge moves, stocks like to consolidate for a long time. Yeah, I, I do like the look of this chart as well. And, and I, I will say I'm also uh, long NVIDIA in my uh, like long term in my Roth, actually. Yeah. Uh, but look, yeah, and one other thing to note with Taiwan Semiconductor is all the coiling that's going on in the moving averages, which usually means when you have that d- degree of coiling, uh, which is three moving averages wrapped around one another, that you could have a nice move out of that coil, which I, I think is potentially starting here got it yeah all right well it is two o'clock time to wrap but christian from hertz from tribeca trade thank you again for joining us today uh look forward to having you on again soon always a pleasure thanks guys have a great rest of your day you do the same all right, y'all, we've got the roadmap coming up and Zynga's very own show focused on NFTs. So if you're interested in NFTs, stick around. This stream will automatically redirect you over to the roadmap. Uh, they're talking the top 10 NFT projects right now in terms of sales. Uh, I, so I, I assume CryptoPunks will be on there, maybe Board Ape. We'll see. I'm going to be tuning in. Again, this stream will automatically redirect you there. And we'll be back tomorrow, 1130 a.m. Eastern. Peace and love, y'all.